This podcast is sponsored by tenofthose.com. Tenofthose.com handpick the best Christian books that point to Jesus and sell them at discounted prices. Side by Side by Ed Welch is a book written out of the conviction that friends are the best helpers as we journey through the Christian life. It's a really accessible and short book equipping us to share our burdens with one another. It's another one of those books that I could read every year as I'm reminded of the power of ordinary relationships to be used for God's glory. Go and check it out at tenofthose.com. Hello and welcome to Two Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name is Felicity and I live in the USA and this is my sister Sarah and she's in the UK. Hi Felicity. Hi Sarah. Any uh, Anything of interest in your cup today? Just a Yorkshire tea today but it is um, joined by a very delicious Belgian chocolate chunk cookie. Oh, left over from the Christmas um, M&S tin, actually. Oh, an M&S mm. tin. That's something, I isn't know. It? Such a gift. Like, people have been so generous. It literally brings us around a lot of biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Still getting through them. But, like, it's just a step up from many other cookies. I agree. There's something about just mm. the M&S Marks and Spencers kind of creme de la creme, isn't it? Also, what yeah. is that about in posh shops? They always say it's Belgian chocolate. <laughs> like... mm, it definitely makes you want it more, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Very good. Not what have you got? Any well, I actually made a new venture on the tea front. Those of you who listened to our previous season might remember a certain encounter in a posh tea shop down the road involved hand sanitizer, <laughs> just general disaster. So I revisited because I got given a voucher and... Um, she didn't actually remember me, which is surprising because in my mind it was quite a dramatic incident. <laughs> it was but... quite an eventful situation. <laughs> she must get many English girls coming in. Sure. Um, <laughs> but so I, I purchased something called Earl Grey Bravo. And it's mm. like a loose leaf tea. So I've, I've um, whatever you do, you know, stewed it, brewed it. No, no, just a little thing over my cup and uh, a dunking thing. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, one of them. Mm-hmm. There's probably a name for that, isn't there? Oh, yeah, and, uh, so she probably should know it. Yeah, <laughs> I bought it actually because it had little blue flowers in it. Which what the tea? Like, yeah, it's like mm. isn't that fun? But I realised sure that, that what looks fun might just taste a bit floral, but actually it's very delicious in a delicate, mm. slightly floral manner. <laughs> yeah, well, fair play. Um, So Felicity, we um, wanted to chat briefly before we get stuck into chapter two today about what what we do when we just don't feel like opening the Bible, Um, whether we're going through a hard season, whether it's just a hard week, um, whether we're just not that bothered and, you know, we just don't Mm. feel like it. Um, What do you do in those in those times? Yeah, well, let's just admit that those times come fairly frequently. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, that, this week I found a struggle actually. It's that thing, isn't it, where you wake up in the morning. I don't know it, whether you do your Bible reading in the morning or whenever it is, but wake up in the morning and think, oh, do I, can I really be bothered? Sleep seems better or mm-hmm. you know, getting on with the jobs of the day seems better. And I think that is a, that is a battle that is very real. And, and so it's an every, not, yeah, maybe an everyday thing, but that kind of idea, the thing which helps me, I think, is remembering reminding myself that the Bible is is not just any book. God himself is working when Mm -hmm. I open up the Bible. And he doesn't just work when I read like a whole chapter, like literally any little nugget of Mm. God's word is going to be doing a work in my heart that will then enable me to be more like Jesus, to 
to love him more inclines my heart towards him. It's that thing, isn't it? Whether mm-hmm. if you give yourself the word, you want the word and you want the Lord, you want to. It's a kind of cyclical thing, isn't it? Yeah. But you do have to preach, your, preach to yourself that, don't you? Like, I find I have to like talk to myself quite a lot of the time to do that. Oh, and yeah. I think for me as well, I think just it's just praying. It's just being honest with the Lord. Like, Lord, I don't feel like doing this today. This is a battle today, but please, would you help me? Mm. Please, would you shed light on your word that I'd understand it and find joy in doing it. Um, I think for me as well, I think just being able to be honest with a friend in that as well and just being able to say, I'm just finding this hard. This is a battle for me at the moment. And just kind of being accountable to someone else just helps to know that someone else is going to be praying for me in that and can ask me how it's going and, and that kind of thing. I think half the battle is thinking I need to kind of hide it or I'm pr- too proud to say. Mm, that's struggling. a really good idea. It's very, it's hard though, isn't it? It takes courage to be vulnerable in that way, but yeah. Or, yeah, so worth it. And just the idea that someone else's prayers, that is yeah. a really valuable thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, let's get stuck into it then, shall we? Um, chapter two today. So we finished off chapter one last week. We're now doing the whole of chapter two. So um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Let's go. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he'd spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the sign he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Thank you, Sarah. It's it's funny, isn't it? This is a familiar story. Mm. I think we, if you've been around church at all, you would have heard this story. And I think because of that, then sometimes we kind of skim past it and we just forget to notice that this is a mega miracle going on here. Did you notice that he doesn't actually touch 
the water or it's like it's like an act of will all yeah. he does is say now draw some water and suddenly it's wine it's like and there's a massive amount of water like massive yeah. amount of water but also notice that like he's not actually that willing to start off with is he like it's his mum persuading him come on son like you can do it like yeah. <laughs> lend a hand they need some help kind of thing I like, love I love his the expectance the ex- kind of yeah confidence. she's like I know you can do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, um but he's but having said he's not willing he then produces the most extravagant and generous and the best wine that anyone could ever have and it's just like a testament to his generous love towards this you know this mm. this family he don't know like you know, the bridegroom didn't know where it'd come from. The master of the banquets didn't know where it'd come from. Like he, he just did it because he can, he can be that generous and extravagant. And I love that. I, yeah. I think that's so true. That kind of authority that means that he, he, the power and authority that means that he can do it. And then he mm. chooses to do it in such a way because any, any transformation of water into, you know, juice would be fairly impressive. The best wine. Best wine. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I know you and I have um, talked a bit about this beforehand, but um, we were sort of debating amongst ourselves as to whether you, you just refer to and remember the echoes of the Old Testament that are going on here. And I think if we just remember the context, we've just had at the end of chapter one there, these kind of tumbling old testament names for jesus mm, you've got yeah. messiah christ god's king the one the prophets and moses spoke of and so you're kind of primed to know that jesus is the fulfillment of all those old testament anticipations and then we were sort of talking about well but this let's just say full stop this is an amazing miracle without mm-hmm. any old testament kind of echoes yeah. but if as we're reading it just something in there just reminds us of something we've read before. So as I was reading it, I was thinking wine. And as I think of wine, I then think back in the prophets, we have um, just wine and new wine. And the best wine is often associated with new creation and f- the kind of final feast, the mm-hmm. feasting on into eternity. And so I wonder whether if we just bring that in a little bit, we just get this added, not only is Jesus generous and extravagant here, right here, right now, but actually on into eternity and so yeah definitely it's like a thought it's definitely a sense of it's, a, it's a foretaste of heaven in this isn't it like I think as you see as you begin to see Jesus's miracles in the gospels you're definitely seeing these little thumbnails prints of like what's to come and it's like these little tasters um and I think I didn't really know where to go back to in the old testament to kind of to see what you've seen there but I think that's okay Either way, isn't it? Either way, oh, we've yeah. got this extraordinary picture of his generous and extravagant love and kind of individual care of this family. And, you know, it's, he reveals his glory in verse 11. He chooses to reveal his glory through this sign. His disciples believed in him. So this was a really significant moment in his ministry, even though it wasn't really seen by many people. And it is a kind of pointer forwards to the to the extraordinary nature of new creation, isn't it? Mm. And that's that's a wonderful thing. But an even more wonderful thing, as you get onto the next bit of the chapter, is seeing an even bigger kind of fulfilment, isn't it, of new creation and what's to come. Mm. Do you want to talk talk us through that a bit, Felicity? Well, there's a bit of a shift, isn't there? So we've gone from we go from this kind of like like very, I think, quite gentle kind of compassionate, like ordinary mm-hmm. moment. Like weddings are kind yeah. of everyday kind of moments, and then and then within three sentences he is striding into the temple. We're talking about the mighty temple of Jerusalem, like the mm-hmm. center of the whole Jewish community. And he's angry and he grabs this cord of whips and he drives out 
everything that's been going on, which is kind of basically has become a commercial center, hasn't it? And and in the midst of it, this most audacious of statements in verse 16, get these out of it, stop turning my father's house mm. into a market. I mean, this guy, for all intents and purposes, is just a guy from Nazareth who hasn't been seen very much in public, really. As you say, the wedding sign was fairly private. And yeah. then here he is striding into the temple with apparent authority and saying yeah. they've got it wrong. Like, that's a big I mean, deal. It's a big deal. And you can see why the Jews then in verse 18 say, well, prove it, because who are you to kind of destroy our marketplace, essentially, and destroy this, you know, very fruitful commercial yeah. <laughs> enterprise, <laughs> yeah. essentially, isn't it? What's going on? And like, you know, that would have been to do with sacrifices. It wouldn't be completely random just selling cattle and sheep there, would mm, it? Like no. there was, you know, there are links to why that's happening there. Um, but he's seeing right through them, isn't he? And I, we get hints of that right at the end of chapter two. Um, he knew all people. He knew what was in each person. He's seeing right through what's going on in that temple scene, in those temple courts. And then he delivers this kind of massive kind of answer and reply, doesn't he? And saying, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. And by saying that, he kind of, yeah, as John kind of edits it, he says he's talking about his own body being the temple mm. like you know whoa so, yeah <laughs> whoa what's just happened there in, in that sentence I know, and I, yeah and I think as I've been mulling on this passage over the last few days like more and more that sentence has become the kind of this is possibly the biggest deal of what's being said here in like the the, the, the thing previously in verse 17 we get this you know psalm um, 69 reference and and we're so we're kind of being pointed towards who Jesus is, he's kind of, he's he's of David. He's like of King David, he's of God's King. So we're kind of being persuaded again of his identity and his authority in that. But then when he says this, like that the temple is his body, if we think of the temple's purpose, the whole reason for the temple is to enable relationship between God's people and God. That's, that was why it was set up, wasn't it? Mm. Think back to the ark, think back all those, like the tabernacle kind of things the means by which, so sacrifices happen here, priests dwell here to intercede for the people. And he says, it's not, it's no longer about this giant yeah. building. It's about me and my body and who I am. And Which is so bold, isn't it? Like it's so, so bold. But radical. then if you go back to kind of the end, you know, um, John's prologue that we had at the beginning of chapter one, remember the famous words in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Um, and that, you know, and made his dwelling among us. That's um, the phrase can be tabernacling among us, that kind of dwelling. Um, and the tabernacle was a small version of the temple. And just like you suddenly start to realize, whoa, like what yeah. he's saying here and what he's doing is is clearly saying, I'm it. I'm 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 it. I'm at the center <laughs> of all of this. And yeah. I think that's wow. it. all we need as Jesus dies and rises again. At that point, all we need is Jesus. We don't yeah. need the temple. We don't need anything else. And, and that's kind of where John's gospel is sort of taking us, isn't it? It's like mm. almost knocking out all the other possibilities. Like all we need is we are in intimate, unconditional relationship with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that is that cannot be changed. Like that cannot be taken away. 
Yeah. That is incredible reality. And I think, you know, you get the disciples at the end of chapter one kind of saying, wow, this is the man the uh, prophets wrote about. This is the guy Moses wrote about. This is the king of Israel. But, you know, was anyone then expecting for him to say, I'm the temple? Like, I'm it. Yeah. I'm the center of what's been going on for the whole, through the old, whole of the Old Testament. And yet, maybe they were. I don't know. Like, it's just, you know, these these terms are so weighty. And then he's just kind of bringing in extra weight and saying, yes, I'm everything. I'm everything you're desiring. I'm everything that the whole of this is all about. It's found in me. And I think that's, it's super encouraging, isn't it? As we kind of drive this to our own hearts, because we don't need to look outside of Jesus here. Like he, he is it, but it's also really, I found it really challenging because I'm like, well, whoa, how often do I look outside of Jesus? How Mm. often am, am I tempted to think that he's not all this? Like, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly it. And the, the why wouldn't I run to Jesus when I see him like this? And actually, if you put it with the passage before the first half of the chapter, that picture of Jesus, compassionate, generous, extravagant, giving us all we need. And then you get this mm. as he knocks out any other options. Oh, well, I just it's so kind of heart thrilling, isn't it, to see that. But then, as you say, there's the challenge of what do we actually do with that? And, and I, it's, a, it's a call to kind of examine where are we tempted to trust other than Jesus. Oh, and I think, and I think kind of Jesus's own words kind of at the end of chapter two then make it clear where our hearts naturally mm. deviate towards, don't they? Because he's saying he knew all people, he knew what was in each person. And we're reminded back again in that prologue of the world did not receive him. Um, you know, we're in darkness without his light, we're, we're nowhere where aren't we yeah um, and we're kind of left we're I feel like we're left with a bit of a problem at the end of this chapter of realizing gosh this is where mankind is we've had all this testimony about Jesus and yet it says he doesn't need any testimony about mankind he knows man's heart know, he knows yeah. our heart and he's you know and he and yet we've kind of seen that he's the one he he's the one through through which everything is going to happen but there's still a kind of missing link isn't there and how that's going to happen and Hopefully next week we'll come on to that. But I think, yeah, I feel I feel challenged on my own heart at the end of this. But also I am going, wow, at a bigger picture of Jesus. I think so. And I think the authority of Jesus, I think who we're like, at the same as, you know, the his glory is being revealed. Like it's compelling to see mm-hmm. his glory being revealed. And so I'm more persuaded to run to Jesus than I was before I read this passage, I think. And that that's the heart kind of the heart work isn't it praying that that would always be the case that we would see Jesus on his terms as he Mm. is presented here and so run to him above all else which by God's grace by God's (laughs) grace and you can do that he is completely acceptable acceptable accessible through his throne of grace isn't he that this the what he's saying here is that nothing is needed to be able to access God. Like he is, he's it, he's, he's everything. And so I can come to him Mm -hmm. and I can, I can pour out my heart and I can come because he's made it possible. And that is just extraordinary, isn't it? So wherever I am, what, however I'm feeling at the start of this year, like I can come to Jesus and he will willingly and generously and lovingly accept my prayers. Mm. Yeah. And leave me on. I just think, wow, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you want to pray for us, Sarah, as we yeah 
finish. I'd love to. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we've had a bigger picture of Jesus today through reading chapter two of John's Gospel. We thank you so much for this extraordinary picture of who he is and what he says um, that's so bold and so mind-blowing. And yet it's what we need to hear. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can access you, that we can come to you because of what Jesus has done on that cross and in rising again, that everything is through him. And we pray, Lord, would you help us to boldly approach your throne of grace because of what we read here? Would you help us to run to you? And Lord, as we continually pray through this season, um, as Jesus becomes greater, would we become less? For your glory, we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. Another hit to the heart in, in a good way. Um, good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. As ever, so do check out our um, that book that you were talking about, Sarah. That sounds fantastic. You can get it on ten of those. We have a partnership store, so do type mm. in Two Sisters, and you'll find all our recommendations. Um, and as ever, do leave a review if you if you have the time and the energy to let others know about it. In that, way. it only takes a couple of minutes. It's so quick, but we so appreciate every review. It just helps another person to find us who wouldn't ordinarily find our podcast, and we just really appreciate every review. Thank absolutely we'll see you next time see you next time bye-bye bye thanks for listening to this episode it's sponsored by tenofthose.com check them out for great discounted resources that point to jesus